Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. When Recep Tayyip Erdogan's party, the AKP, won a landslide victory in Turkey's 2002 general elections, he became a very different kind of Turkish leader. The AKP is a religious party in what was an avowedly secularist political tradition. And for a time, Erdogan presided over a booming economy and was hailed for being a modernizing Muslim leader in a troubled region. His relations with Europe and the United States were strong, and he sought to play a stabilizing role in the Middle East. But all the while, Erdogan was consolidating his power. It started slowly at first, and in recent years, the degradation of Turkey's independent institutions has accelerated. This includes clampdowns on media, the corruption of the courts, and a massive political purge following what Erdogan alleged was an attempted coup in 2016. Erdogan is now the quintessential example of a new kind of leader around the world, the illiberal authoritarian Democrat. That is, someone who is democratically elected, but then systematically uses the power of the state to entrench himself. And that's why recent municipal elections in Turkey are so interesting. On March 31st, an opposition leader named Ekrem Imamoglu won election as mayor of Istanbul, a position, incidentally, that Erdogan held before he became prime minister. Election authorities clearly at Erdogan's request invalidated those results and called for a rerun. Weeks later, on June 23rd, Imamoglu won again, this time by a much wider margin. So what does this election tell us about Erdogan's hold on power and their trajectory of Turkish politics? On the line with me to explain the global significance of municipal elections in Turkey is Howard Eisenstadt. He is an associate professor of Middle Eastern history at St. Lawrence University and senior non-resident fellow at the Project on Middle East Democracy. And in this conversation, we discuss both what happened in these municipal elections and what that says about Erdogan's hold on power. Turkey is one of those countries that what happens there, even at a very local level, has big global implications. It's a NATO ally. It's strategically located in the Middle East, but with a significant European-looking population, it is just one of the most interesting and consequential places on the planet. And this conversation gives you some context for understanding recent events. A quick note before we start, the premium episodes I am releasing this week include my conversation with Vali Nasser, who was the head of Johns Hopkins University School of International Studies. And I figure with events happening in Iran, this might be a good time to release that episode. He was born in Iran, and his own life story tells you a lot about the history of U.S.-Iran relations. Do check out that conversation. And also, since we're deep in Democratic primary season, why not release my conversation with Governor Bill Richardson, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., who once ran for president? And our conversation focuses a lot on his efforts to secure 
the release of political prisoners around the world. He has a foundation that enables him to fly around the world trying to secure the release of people from the grips of authoritarian governments. Really interesting conversation. So do check that out. That's available for premium subscribers. To become a premium subscriber, go to patreon.com slash global dispatches or just follow the links in the description field of this podcast or go to globaldispatchespodcast.com. Premium subscribers also get a sticker in the mail from me and access to my daily global news clips service, Don's Digest. Please support the show, support independent foreign policy analysis and reporting. And now here's my conversation with Howard Eisenstadt. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. On March 31st, there were municipal elections uh, throughout Turkey. These elections are important in the sense that local governance is important, but this is, in fact, a, a highly centralized uh, government, and the central government has large say over uh, most issues. And so while it was an important setback, the, the AKP did less well than expected, lost major metropolitan areas. It was uh, a, an important setback for the ruling AKP government. Um, by, at some level, it, wasn't, it shouldn't have been that big a deal. Uh, as, it, as it turned out, what happened was that the most important of these municipalities, uh, Istanbul, the high election board was pressured by the government to overturn the election and a rerun was called for June 23rd. So, so maybe we can we can step back. So, so sure. who won the Istanbul elections and why was it contested? So the uh, the opposition candidate, the main opposition candidate, Ekran Imamoglu, uh, he's a member of the Republican People's Party, the JHP. Uh, and that's more of like a election. secularist party, right? It's a secularist party. That's right. Uh, and and it was supported by a number of other parties, uh, both uh, explicitly and tacitly in, in the first round. Um, so he won in a squeaker of an election. Uh, the final vote after after lots of petitions uh, was uh, he won by a 13,000 uh, vote vote lead in an election in which there were, I believe, nine million uh, votes cast. Yeah, it's one thing that seems remarkable to me is how um, participatory these elections are in <laughs> Turkey. I guess voting is is mandatory, but it's also like a civic duty that people take very strongly. So you have these like, huge turnouts. Yeah, the, I mean, it's mandatory, but there's no there's no actual repercussions to not voting. Uh, and to me, it's one of the great um, the great ironies of uh, Turkey, which in so many ways has um, has had a, a 
limited democracy before the AKP and, and certainly uh, since uh, uh, 2008 and, and with ex, uh, in accelerating after 2011, we've seen this sort of decline of uh, democratic institutions in Turkey. But the buy-in on the part of the Turkish electorate is very, very high. And so it's, it's actually typical to have uh, uh, voter participation of 83%, 85%, even 90%. Uh, and, and, and that, that's, um, that's, I think, uh, unique for, for countries in which um, you, by most standards, you would describe them as an electoral authoritarian regime. So it was in this context that Imamoglu barely squeaked by in that March 31st uh, election. Uh, how did the AKP and Erdogan step in to try to um, perhaps overturn the results of those elections? So it's it's very interesting. There, there seems to have been some debate within the AKP uh, immediately after the election as to exactly what steps to take. Uh, and um, it's not clear when exactly President Erdogan decided that he was going to force a rerun, but uh, that's in fact what he did. And and the, the, the vehicle for that was by pressuring the Supreme Electoral Board, uh, which which governs, which oversees uh, Turkish elections, to, uh, to uh, force a rerun. To, uh, they claimed that there uh, were sufficient um, there, there were sufficient irregularities to require uh, a rerun in the Istanbul election. What was what was interesting was they only called that for the uh, the overarching the the municipal election, but not for the district elections where the AKP uh-huh. actually did better. Yeah, so, o- so only the ones in which the opposition uh, candidate exactly. was the one that they were going to exactly. rerun. So it was like obviously like a transparent effort to have a redo of an election that Erdogan did not like the results of. Um, exactly. And, yeah. and, and I don't think, I don't think there was any real question of that. And, and actually you saw uh, people within the AKP, former uh, luminaries of the AKP uh, publicly criticizing the decision, which was, which was uh, quite a shift uh, uh, for, for sort of public discourse. And it totally backfired, right? And it totally backfired. And that to me is the most interesting part of the story analytically uh, and and to me maybe the meatiest part of the story which is that having called a rerun president erdogan had no clear plan for ensuring a victory so he got and, and what that means is that he not only lost everything he lost in march 31st he lost the legitimacy that uh, that accepting a, a, a loss would have been. He he uh, further undermined his own standing, and he gave additional energy to the opposition. It, it was it, it was a stunning decision, and it was really seemingly for someone who has been so adept at consolidating power over the years. Um, you know, he's been sort of deviously great at at making himself stronger and stronger and making the AKP a stronger and stronger political force. It just seems to have been a significant and unexpected blunder. Yeah. And I and I think that maybe, you know, maybe it's time for us to 
to rethink this Erdogan's a genius narrative that we've created for ourselves. Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, so, so do tell. Well, I, I mean, he he's clearly a brilliant tactician, but, you know, he's overseen um, diminishing support for the AKP over the years. Yes, he's he's gotten all the victories he's needed, but he's gotten them at cost. He's bound himself to a smaller party. The uh, the nationalist uh, MHP uh, is is now part of the coalition that that gives him a majority in parliament. Uh, his popularity overall uh, has decreased. Turkey in foreign and economic policy sort of lurches from uh, from uh, disaster to disaster. And and so, you know, he's surrounded himself by by yes men. He's he's. Uh, and and family members, frankly, uh, he um, his his team has grossly mismanaged the economy, and uh, so yes, he's been able to gain a tremendous amount of power, but you know, in a sense, there are an increasing number of chickens waiting to come home to roost, uh, and and you know, politically, politically, this. Uh, this disaster was um, is is evidence of of how much his own popularity has slipped. And what do these events tell you about the role of elections in Turkey? You know, on the one hand, some of the analysis I've seen, and and, and you've alluded to it just now, you know, says that you know elections, you know, with its high participation rates, are still a really important and valuable um, you know vehicle for people expressing their you know futures. It's these aren't like pre-cooked elections, um, right. though. With the consolidation of the media and harassing of of other political parties, you know, the AKP and Erdogan is makes it harder for um, the opposition to to um, make big strides, but it seems that it's not at all impossible uh, with, with what happened in Istanbul. And, and that, to me, seems to be a really significant um, um, event in and of itself. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, in fairness, I've, been, I've argued that elections uh, don't matter in Turkey, uh, that they, that they're, or rather that, that they largely have symbolic uh, value. Um, that they they uh, their their primary utility is to keep the opposition on board and to give legitimacy to the government. The, the municipal election here clearly uh, it clearly is counter evidence to that that generalization. And I and I think the municipal elections, um, first of all, they uh, particularly in large municipalities, they are much more difficult uh, to to manage for the AKP than they, they are in the provinces. Uh, they're, they're, um, it's harder to, to ensure that, that the, um, uh, the, the media control is going to, to carry the day. There's, there's, uh, in large municipalities, there's, there's, uh, uh, greater access to, to internet, et cetera. Media control is harder. Um, repression of, Opposition parties is more difficult in large municipalities, uh, and and so I think that that there it's it's a good it's it's a powerful counterexample to my argument. But I I do think that municipal elections are in some sense um, 
extraordinary and 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 create new challenges for the type of uh, electoral management that the AKP uh, undertakes. I mean, it's fair to remember that the second largest opposition party leader is currently in jail, mm-hmm. right? That they that that most of the H, uh, the the HDP uh, leadership is uh, is in jail, and that uh, elections have been overturned by fiat. And um, so I I think that the municipal elections important, but it's it's I'm not sure that it necessarily translates to electoral vulnerability uh, on the national level unless the 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 loss of AKP voters that we saw in Istanbul uh, occurs nationwide at mm. AKP and MHP voters. Um, and when's like the next opportunity to test that that idea to test that theory? Sure. So the the next scheduled election is 2023. Uh, currently, uh, the uh, uh, both the president and the parliament have a five year term. The next uh, general election will be 2023. Either the president or the parliament can can force new elections. And there there's chatter about the possibility of new elections. Um, but uh, the, I, I think it I think it's absolutely unlikely that that President Erdogan would do that. I see no reason why he would want to for parliament to do that. It would need a three fifths majority of parliament to vote uh, against uh, uh, to vote for new elections. I, I think that's extraordinarily unlikely. And that would and only he, really happen, right, if, if Erdogan somehow becomes immensely and hugely unpopular, if there's like some massive depression or something. It, it would require him to lose uh, effectively a third of his own uh, his own uh, yeah. supporters. Uh, and and so and for the parliament to do this, remember that members of parliament who voted for uh, early elections, would many of them would be voting to turn themselves out of office. Yeah, so that's not likely. So I, I think for practical purposes, the next opportunity is 2023. And how that, old will Erdogan be then? Oh, I've forgotten how old he is. I, um, I'm sorry, I can't They're remember. Pretty old. I, yeah, I mean, you know, not Donald Trump old. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's you know he's a relatively he's he's in he's in middle age, but I I don't uh, I don't I don't think that that we can uh, count on. His uh, ill health of pushing him out of office. I think that that's. Um, I think that people have been talking about ill health pushing him out of office literally since uh, two thousand and five. So, I guess taking a step back, how do you interpret these elections? Um, Erdogan's uh, sort of failed ability to steer the outcome of the elections and the resulting um, consequence of of having a secularist leader in charge of Istanbul. What does that tell you about like the trajectory of creeping authoritarianism in yeah. Turkey, which has been seemingly gone you know steady and and unabated? Could right. this election in any way put a check on that, or or does this have any explanatory power for you in terms of? So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, 
so I think uh, there's on the near term, there's the question of uh, the resources of these major cities, Istanbul and Ankara in, uh, in particular. Do does the uh, the central government lose the rent and patronage money associated with these uh, these uh, cities? What, what do you mean by and, that? Well, so um, an awful lot of the AKP machine uh, seems to be about um, using state funds uh, uh, to support um, friendly businesses and civil society organizations that are effectively extensions of Erdogan's own network. And the big cities, in particular Istanbul, are thereby a major resource for those uh, for those networks, it's it's a, a way of redistributing state funds to political allies, mm. um, and the the election, the loss of both Ankara and Istanbul, effectively um, puts that source of rent, that source of patronage money, uh, under threat. And what what seems to be happening, and uh, is that the central government is um, uh, taking over uh, distribution of, uh, of those resources to ensure that uh, those patronage systems remain intact. On the longer term, um, I think that uh, the uh, the elections and and particularly Erdogan's mismanagement of it it, it speaks to uh, it speaks to the way that Erdogan's lost his game that he's he's become less effective and. Uh, and the way, in particular, that economic mismanagement has cut deeply into uh, his his popular support. Hmm. Uh, there, there are really two directions that Erdogan can go in response to that. I mean, that's that's a basic reality. The economic crisis isn't going away, and uh, there's really two ways he can respond to it. He can uh, either attempt to uh, swing towards moderation, bring in more technocrats, try to uh, bring the economy back under control, but that threatens the patronage system that's that's been central. Uh, and the other option is to uh, to double down on authoritarianism and uh, use the the power over the security services and the courts to uh, to uh, continue to to repress uh, the opposition, and and in the in the week after the election, we saw the beginnings of the Gezi trial and and prosecution of sixteen major civil rights leaders. We saw um, the a brief detention of a UC Davis professor uh, who had signed a peace petition. Uh, we saw the um, the arrest of uh, a major. Opposition leader who had, uh, uh, John Kaftiola, who actually played a leading role in in, in uh, 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 designing or not the detention but the the court hearing of uh, uh, over uh, tweets that she had given. So so I I mean the, the chances are he'll go he'll go more authoritarianism. Well, but but you know this is the conundrum. Um, going more authoritarian, we we can see it doesn't help the economy. It doesn't help uh, Turkey's political stability. And, you know, with 85 percent of uh, people participating in votes, 
you you know it's it's clear that the Turkish the Turkish population still believes in democracy. So is Istanbul Mayor Elect Imamoglu anyone that that you know casual observers of Turkey should should we remember this name? Do you think he'll be a major player in in Turkish politics going forward? Yeah, I think I think in either story. If Turkey liberalizes, I think he's he's a natural leader for the JHP uh, moving forward. If if there's a political opening, he seems particularly well poised to take it. And if Turkey swerves further into authoritarianism, well, he's a, a very likely target. So he's he's the, the the person we should be watching to to deduce how this um, how sort of he's oh, the the canary in the coal mine, as it were, for. Uh for for I, Turkish uh, democracy? I'm a little hesitant because, you know, there's there's a lot of important leaders, yeah. some of, you know, uh, uh, but but he's uh, um, mayorship of Istanbul is is an important position and uh, it uh, makes him both a, a logical spokesperson for the opposition. It also ma- uh, makes him a logical target for for the government. Um, finally, is there anything else we should be sort of paying attention to in the coming sort of weeks and, and months as we sort of figure out or, or as we follow these events as they unfold? Are there any like key inflection points coming up that you'll be looking toward? Well, I, I mean, clearly, um, there's a, there's a, a series of, of, uh, foreign policy and economic crises that, that, um, just exacerbate everything that we've spoken about. Uh, the, the S-400s issue uh, isn't going away. You're, you're the, referring to a, a, a military system, right? A, 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 yeah, a, yeah, a, a Russian missile system, missile system that yeah. that that uh, uh, President Erdogan uh, says will be delivered within uh, ten days or so, and uh, which the uh, Congress uh, has has uh, promised to sanction uh, Turkey if uh, uh, if that goes through. Uh, the messaging from President Trump is apparently different, but the law gives uh, President Trump actually very little leeway. Um, there, so that's that's one crisis. Uh, the, um, the, there's a looming crisis over Cyprus. Uh, there is the you know looming economic crisis. Uh, inflation is, is uh, rising. The uh, foreign investment is decreasing. There's uh, the, the instability that seems to be part and parcel of Erdogan's rule is is uh, taking real costs in a country that should be by rights doing very well. It's got tremendous human capital. It's uh, it's got lots of resources. It's well positioned uh, geographically. There's no reason for it to be in crisis outside of the the mismanagement and corruption of of its leadership. Uh, well, Howard, thank you so much for your time. This is very helpful. I really enjoyed it, Mark. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Howard. That was, that was interesting. Um, yeah, you know, like I said at the outset, Turkey is just one of those places that what happens there just matters, frankly, by virtue of its uh, geography and population. I was there, I think it was 2009, sort of while in the process in the early years of Erdogan's increasing authoritarianism, certainly not as bad as it is now. But uh, it wasn't as great as it was years before. I think uh, YouTube had sort of recently been censored when I was there because there were some small protests that were being shared on YouTube. 
All right, in any case, we'll see you next time. Please become a premium subscriber. Unlock those conversations. I know about 15 of them posted with many more to be published every week. Thank you so much. See you next time. Bye.